Great to see everybody. I want to welcome, uh, especially if uh, you're a guest today, it's great to have you. Uh, remotely, if you're with us as a guest, it's great to have you there. Most people like to check us out remotely before they come live, so we're looking forward to seeing you very soon. We are starting a brand new series called uh, Relationships Complicated, or Your Relationship Status Complicated. Uh, most of you, I think, can relate to this. You can relate to having complicated re relationships. But before we jump into it, uh, next week we have a brunch right here in the service. So when you come in, it's going to be all set up like a Bristow, and uh, we'll be serving brunch. And, and this is what we want you to be able to do. We want you to be able to find someone you know, a friend, a relative, somebody you know who could relate to having complicated relationships. It will not take you long. They either are in a complicated relationship or they just got out of a complicated relationship or they're making really bad plans to head into a complicated relationship. And so you be thinking about the one, two, three people that you're going to bring them with you to brunch. Don't just invite them to come to church. Invite them to come to brunch with you next week and uh, we're going to have a great time, great time together. Uh, okay, so uh, complicated relationships. Uh, let's meet a couple of couples. Um, just so you know, I did make up these names along the way, but I think you could, you'll be able to relate. First, there's Mark and Mindy. So uh, Mark and Mindy uh, grew up around, their parents were cursors and they curse. And when they get in a fight, oh my goodness, when they get in a fight, they say things to other people that unbelievable, not just the words, but the way they say it. And they have this pattern, but they apologize afterwards. And they think everything's okay. Therefore, their relationship is really complicated. And then there's Jose and Maria. Jose and Maria, uh, when they were dating, man, they could barely keep their clothes on. Like when they dated, the other person was so attractive, it was unbelievable. Matter of fact, they weren't very successful keeping their clothes on. Uh, then they got married, and now it's like four or five years down the road, maybe six or seven years down the road, and she wears the ugliest flannel pajamas to bed and never takes them off. Therefore, their life is pretty complicated. And then there's Obi and Makinda. Obi and Makinda, very uh, ambitious people. And it's kind of what drew them to each other. They were so ambitious. They loved to work. They loved to produce. And, and they were really successful. And when they first got married, it was so much fun. There was so much money. And it, it, they could do anything they wanted to do. And they were accomplishing so much. But now they have kids and they barely have time. Their life is entirely full. And so their life is, their relationships really, it's really complicated. And then, of course, there's Tim and Tara who dreamed of kids. They, they, they talked about when they dated. And they, they couldn't wait to have kids. And now they have five of them. And they're all in sports. And, and they're all in special academic programs. And they're all in... And they never see each other. They, they dreamed of the day when that every night they would sit down and have supper together. Haven't seen that in a long time. 
And so their life is really, really complicated. Well, we want to move from complicated to simple, from complicated to focus. Like the opposite of complicated is to be simple. Did you know that if you take water and sand and you focus it, you can cut metal? Take a look at this. That's not a laser. That's water. That's aluminum. That's probably two inches thick. It's taking something that you can wash your hands through if it's just left to itself, but if you take it and you focus it, it can actually cut metal. I think that machine's amazing. I still, I still cannot believe it works that way, but that's what it does. High pressure, a little bit of sand, cuts through metal. Now, God is the king of focused and powerful. God took his power and he focused it to the point that he could create the entire universe. Something that is so large, you can't even, we can't even see the end of it. We do not know where it ends. He, is the, he took that much power, that much focus. It's in, it is incredible. But did you know that in his word he says what he's really focused on is people's lives and relationships? He wants to be able to move your relationship from complicated to focused, from complicated to powerful. And so why don't we jump into the Bible and see what God has to say. We are going to start in Matthew 11. And this is our foundational passage for the whole series. As we talk about it today, really today is all about setting you up for the rest of the series. Today is all about you going, oh, wait, I want to get excited. I'm excited about this. I do want to invite my friend to be able to be a part of this. And this passage, this principle, is, is our setup for the rest of the passage. And it starts in Matthew 11 when uh, God says, or uh, John the Baptist's followers come to Jesus. John's been thrown into prison, and Jesus' ministry has been going on, and John's wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? This isn't really working out the way I planned. Is Jesus really the Messiah? And so they send his people to him, and Jesus says, uh, I give sight to the blind. He says, I've healed the, the, the lame, and I've set the oppressor free. I'm absolutely the Messiah. And so this chapter, in this chapter, is this really basic question. Wait a minute, how do I know who the Messiah is? How do I get to the Father? And then he, Jesus begins to talk about Galilee, which is where he is, and he talks about the cities that he's in and where he's been and what he's done. And first, uh, he says, you know what? You folks are like children. You, you, ask for, you ask for me to dance, and they say, well, he didn't dance, then I don't know if I, I believe in him. They ask him for him to do other miracles, and I, I didn't do those miracles when you asked me to, so you don't believe in me. He says, actually, it wouldn't matter what I did. It wouldn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter which way we go, you, you seem not to believe. And he says this, for John came neither eating nor drinking, 
and they say he has a demon. So when John the Baptist came, he, he, John the Baptist was an odd duck. He lived in the wilderness. He dressed really strange. Uh, he, his diet was really strange. They said, he's demon-possessed. Don't follow him. Then the Son of Man, who is Jesus, came, eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. He says, listen, John the Baptist came this way. You said, no, don't follow him. Jesus came really acting the opposite, hanging out with sinners. And they said, oh, don't follow him. Then he talks about two cities, Chorazine and Bethsaida. These both were in Galilee. And he says, listen, you're in more trouble than Sodom and Gomorrah. If you don't remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah was the city that was so evil that God couldn't find 10 righteous people in that city, and he destroyed it with fire and brimstone. And he says, I've done way more was shown to you than was shown to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you. And then he makes this statement. And I want you to wrestle with this statement. I actually want you to read it. Um, guys, go ahead and pop it up on the screen. This next one. Does this sound a little complicated? All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except for the Father. No one knows the Father except for the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Got to be honest with you, the first time I read it, I was like, it's complicated. I had to read through it a, a, a couple of times. He's simply saying this. I am the Messiah. And the Father has shown me who he is. I'm the one who knows who the Father is. And then I have taken that and shown it to other people. That's the, the basic idea. Now, that's the setup. We haven't come to the passage yet, which is going to be the foundation for this series. That's the setup. That's what's happened in the thing before. Now, the reason why I want to share that with you is because I want you to grab the biblical principle before we apply it. Because the biblical principle is first and foremost about salvation, not relationships, not about human relationships. It's first and foremost about our relationship to the Father. That's what this chapter and this specific passage is about. And he's talking to a group of people who have been subjected to an incredibly complicated relationship with God. First of all, the Jews or the Israelites were led by a group of leaders who loved, loved, loved power. They loved power. They made all of their decisions based on how can I move up in the hierarchy. And they, they had created a system where there was these really religious people, the priests, 
the guys who were up here on the top, other, they had Sadducees and Pharisees and different groups, and all of them were like, we are close to God. And then there were levels all the way down to the common man to which they treated them like, you have no hope. You really have no hope. You'll never be able to get to God like we can. The second thing is that these people loved to be seen. They loved to be in the public eye. If there was going to be a town event, they're going to be there. And they want to speak. They want to make sure they get on the podium. Matter of fact, in other places, Jesus said to them, listen, you keep praying in public. Don't pray in public. Go in the closet and pray. Do it the opposite of the way they did. And so they're watching all of this happen. You're the common guy. You're watching all of this happen. And you're like, this is complicated. This is impossible. Now add to that, they had taken the Old Testament law. We started with the Ten Commandments. Remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the Old Testament, how it all started? And they had taken the Old Testament law, which when we read through Leviticus goes, wow, that's pretty complicated. Most of you, when you read through the Bible, get to live by Leviticus 10, you're like, I can't do this anymore. Because it seems complicated. Well, they multiplied it. So what do you mean? They, they, they ended up with 611 laws. One of those laws was... You can't, now first of all, the, the original law is keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath holy. So they came up with laws to make sure you didn't break the law. So on the Sabbath, women were not allowed to look in a mirror because they might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it out, which is work. And you're like, that's ridiculous. No, that was a law. That was the complicated system that they were under. So if you're the common guy, you have two things at work. One is your own sin. You know you can't overcome your sin. I'm going to take it for granted that you've learned you don't actually have the ability to, it's super complicated when you try to overcome your own sin. But number two, they had the expectations of everybody else. Which, by the way, how much do the expectations of everybody else? You're like, oh, no, I don't care about everybody. I don't mean the big blob out there. I mean your parents. I mean your siblings. I mean your best friends. I mean yourself. All those expectations make your life super complicated. If you could get them to be quiet, you could have a simple life. Well, that's what it was like for them. And then Jesus says this, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and your burden is is light. Here's the picture. The picture is the picture of a yoke. It's two oxen in a yoke. So a yoke is simply a bar, a piece of wood that goes across like this, and it has loops on each side. One puts his head in one side, the other puts his head in the other side, and then they pull things with this yoke. 
So this is what I want you to grab from this principle this morning. Jesus comes to you and says, and comes to them and says, this is personal. This is between you and me. He says, come on to me. And then he asked them to take their head out of whatever yoke they're in, or if they're in no yoke, to trade that in for putting yoking with Jesus. So when you do that, here's a couple things that happens. The new oxen has to learn from the old oxen. You never take two brand new oxen and put them in a yoke. They will run crazy. You do an old oxen with a new one. And the new oxen, you and I, have to do this. One, the old oxen at first carries all the weight, not the new one. If you try to carry the weight, you'll never learn from the master. Number two, the master knows where to go and what to do. He knows the straight line to plow the field. The new one wants to go all over the place. So he has to follow the new one. Number three, the new one has put his head, excuse me, the new one has to put his head in the yoke. What do you mean? You have to decide. You have to decide to get your head out of the old yoke and put your head into the new yoke. You cannot have your head in both yokes at the same time. You cannot let Jesus be your master and the world or your expectations or your view or your opinions at the same time. And number four, you have to stop trying to be helpful and simply follow. When the new one tries to be helpful, he doesn't learn anything. He fights against the master. That's what Jesus asked them to do. So here's a simple biblical principle from this passage. Finding your heavenly father is incredibly complicated when we are yoked by impossible expectations. You will never find salvation. You will never find peace. You will never find what it's like to be accepted by the Father as long as you're listening to any other voices besides Jesus' voice. So we're going to take that. That's the biblical principle. That's what this passage is about. So all the way through this series, that's what that passage is about. But the principle can be applied to relationships. Finding the joy, intimacy, and lasting romance is incredibly, is incredibly complicated when we are yoked by impossible expectations. When you enter into relationships and you live in those relationships and you are yoked to your own expectations, your own opinions, your own view of the world, and not yoked to Christ, it always goes complicated. So, I'm going to ask you to do these four things during this series. 
hopefully these four things will come up time and time again as we talk about the different application as we work, work through this. I'm going to ask you to do these four things so that you can move from complicated to powerfully simple. Number one, get personal with Jesus. Get personal with Jesus. Drop the religious, drop the poser, drop the idea that God has left me to figure this out. Throughout the rest of this series, if you want to move your, comp your complicated relationship to powerful, get personal with Jesus. He is someone you can listen to and talk to. Many of us, many of us listen to what Jesus has to say, and he gives us a principle, or he tells us a destination to get to, and we go, thank you, Jesus, and off we go. And we don't talk to him anymore. That's a recipe for complicated. No, 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 no. You don't put your head in the yoke and then pull it out and go do something. You put your head in the yoke and you stay with Jesus. Be personal with him. Number two, give Jesus responsibility for the outcome. This is a personal opinion. My personal opinion is this. Every complicated mess I ever got in, so I think it's true for you, every complicated mess I ever got in was because I was trying to manipulate the destination. What do you mean? I mean, I got personal with Jesus. I stuck my head in the yoke. We were, this is good. This is good. This is great. Wait. I want to end up over there. He's like, no, this is where we need to go. I want both. I want both. I want to end up there, and I want to end up over there. Did you know the minute you want both, your life is really complicated? So who is responsible for the outcome? Who's responsible for where we end up in our relationship? I'm going to give that to Jesus. Why? Because I've put my head in the yoke with him. I'm going to follow him. Drop the I can and must make this work yoke. I think you know this, but I'll tell you anyway. Most of your fights are caused because your spouse your girlfriend, your would-have-been girlfriend, you are trying to get them to go where you want them to go. You need them to go where you want. You think it's your responsibility to get them to go where you want to go. And so you take your head out of the yoke. You put it into a different yoke. And life is so complicated. This piece, this step, is where peace comes from. Peace is not magic. You don't pray for peace and God go, Whoosh. Peace comes from, oh, God, you're responsible for where I end up? 
I'm not responsible? Wait, this whole thing goes bad? It's your fault? Yeah. Overwhelming peace. When you know where we end up is in God's hands. Stick your head in the yoke. Number three, commit to Jesus as the final word. Drop your opinions and your excuses. Have you ever met anyone who's 25 years or older that did not think they were relationship experts? Have you ever met anybody that when you had a conversation about relationships, they didn't chime in, listen what I think. Listen what I did. You ever had a relationship with somebody who's been divorced four times? And you're talking, and they give, you, they give advice. They actually give advice on relationships. And you're like, failure does not stop us from giving advice in anything, right? We still have these opinions. We think we know. Now, when Jesus says, put your head in the yoke, right, he says, you're going to follow me. You're going to go where I go. You're going to go at the speed that I say to go. Now, all of you have experienced this. Everyone has experienced this. We'll go with the easiest one. The easiest one in the world is God is super clear. Super, super, super clear. Do not have sex before you get married. Don't do it. Do not raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. 16 years old. Wow, did my life get complicated. Wow, did my relationships get complicated. Do you know it still impacts Lori and I's marriage today. Man, I wish we could take that back. I wish so bad I could take that back. What is that? It's God's word, my opinion. That's what it is. You're like, no, you were tempted. You, you couldn't help it. Really? You think I had sex with Lori, like just we were dating and never touched her where I shouldn't have, never kissed her where I shouldn't have, and... We had sex? Maybe that happens today because we live in a hookup culture. But it didn't happen back then. No. I said no to God 15, 20 times. I said, wait, this is what I feel. This is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what I think. So as we move forward through this series... You want to move from complicated to powerful? Let's get rid of the but. Let's get rid of the, I know God says that, but. Oh, I know God says that, but. Your life and your relationships, yeah, it's pretty dogmatic of me. This is my opinion. Your life is complicated because of but. It is. You're like, I, did, I never knew. I knew. I know God says that, but. 
the power of going, okay, God, no. What you say, that's what we're going to do. Number four, put on gentleness and humility. Drop the world's way. What was the world's way? He says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, in the world that they were living in at that time, and in our world today, the world leads by power and force and authority. That's how they do it. You want, you want to get your way? Then you increase your power or your authority or your force. You win. That's how you do it. You defeat the other side. That's how you do it. God said, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am gentle and humble. I am gentle and humble. Now, he is the one you've just stuck your head in with, this yoke. And everything, as we work through this series, everything in you will say, no, God's way is hard. God's way is hard. People say this all the time. Following Jesus is so hard. You know that's not biblical, right? How do you know it's not biblical? Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Put on gentleness and humility. Pride is the source of defensiveness, selfishness, and really the source of complication. It comes from your pride. It's that you have to get your way. It's that you know best. You're trying to do what's best. You're trying to get to the best place. But you do it from a place of pride and force and authority. Humility is a superpower. Humility is amazing. Did you know if you're humble, you cannot lose an argument? Did you know if you're humble, you don't get defensive? You don't raise your voice. You don't go nuts. Why? I don't have to defend anything. I've got Jesus. He's right here next to me. He will defend me. When you're humble, you can receive and give love in huge amounts. When you're humble, you can receive wisdom and give wisdom in huge amounts. Put on gentleness and humility. Drop the world's way. All right. We've gotten started. We've gotten started by what? By saying, okay, Jesus is the one I'm going to follow. How am I going to follow him? I'm going to take my head out of whatever yoke. And in this series, begin, we want to teach you the yoke to take your heads out of and how to put your head in the yoke with Jesus. But for this morning, would you give your hearts to praying these four things? Now, 
If you're going to pray these four things and say, but don't pray. Just listen to me pray. All right? Don't do it. Don't pretend. Recognize this week while you live your life and it's all complicated. It's because you got your head stuck in the wrong yoke. But let's pray through these together. Let's pray for each other. And let's pray for the people we're going to invite to come with us next week. That we might... What's he say? That we might put this yoke on us and learn from him. That we might receive or build relationships that are full of easiness and light burden. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for our church family. We want to say yes to you and we want to get personal with you. There's nothing more personal than sticking your head in the yoke next to you and listening to you and never making a decision without you and turning to you as soon as we recognize, ah, I've gone the wrong direction. Lord, I pray for us to grab a hold of the truth that you're responsible, that we would take the responsibility and give it to you wholeheartedly. You and you alone are responsible. What I'm responsible to do is to follow you. Lord, I pray for us to have the courage and the humility to take your word as the final word. Help us to no longer use the word but after we talk about what you say. But also, Lord, help us to encourage each other in, in a humble and gentle way that we encourage each other not to use the word but, but to use the word therefore. This is what Jesus says, therefore. That's what I'm going to do. Lastly, Lord, I pray for a humble and gentle spirit as we learn about you and we learn about relationships. Humble us right now. As we sing this song to you, I pray for each individual to be able to, to recognize a yoke that is making their lives complicated, pull their heads out, and to yoke with you. In your name we pray.